Welcome to the Harrison Faith Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Brian Herring. It's our prayer. This message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. We've been in a series with Timothy going through the summer, and we wanted to spend most of the summer kind of going through Timothy. It's such a great letter written to the church. And uh, I was able to get through all the way through uh, chapter 4, and then Pastor Caleb, like I said, did a wonderful job talking about honor in chapter 5. And so today, in chapter 6, we're going to talk about being generous. What's it mean to be generous? No, we're not just talking about finances. We will talk about finances, but that's not just what we're talking about. Be generous with your life. Be generous in who you are. Be generous in who God's called you to be. And so, as we dive in, we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to get through the whole chapter, hopefully, today. Uh, I'm going to not take too much time, but I want this to be impactful for your life. Beginning in verse 1, it says, All slaves should show respect to their masters, so they will not bring shame on the name of God and his teaching. If the masters are believers, that is no excuse for being disrespectful. Man, when I read that, I underlined it because I thought, not just believers, but we, we have a habit of taking advantage of people just because we know them well. We have a habit of taking advantage of people just because we judge what their character should be, and we put higher expectations on certain people. But he said, don't let that be an excuse for being disrespectful. Don't, don't allow circumstances, don't allow situations, don't allow because of their faith and because you know they're a fellow uh, brother or sister in Christ to just be able to do whatever you want and take advantage of someone and be disrespectful. Those slaves should work hard, all the harder because their efforts are helping other believers who are well-loved. Teach these things, Timothy, and encourage everyone to obey them. The very first thing is be generous in honor. Just to kind of wrap up what Pastor Caleb talked about, we should bring and, and give, be generous in the way we treat other people and honoring other people. Let me just ask you, men, how many of you honor your wife? Do you know one of the number one needs of a man is to be respected? Do you know one of the number one reasons why teenagers get in trouble with their dad? Disrespect. Because men want to be respected. But what I've understand about life and about time is you won't normally receive from people what you don't give freely. So are you honoring, are you respecting those around you? Are you showing them honor even when they don't deserve it? Because we live in a world where we think people ought to earn it first. But then you won't honor when you haven't earned it. Those little snide remarks, because we are the greatest at, at being very, um, what's the word? Uh, saying things but meaning something else. We are very good at being angry and kind of acting like we're not. We're good at being Southern. Southern hospitality, bless their heart. We love to just tear people down, but just do it because we're just trying to help them. No, we're trying to feel better about ourselves. We're very passive-aggressive. You know someone like that? You don't respect them very much, do you? Sometimes don't you want to just say, just say what you mean and mean what you say? Show me enough respect, show me enough honor just to be honest with me 
It is our job to show the world how to honor people and how to give respect. You are to be a leader. As a believer, as a follower of Christ, you should be leading in how you honor. You should be setting the example. You shouldn't just be watching other people and see what they do. You should lead by example. And people should be able to look to you and say, wow, I wish I could be like that one day. Let me just tell you about some of the people at our church. We have a great group of church believers. We have a great group of people that know how to show honor. There's never been a time I've left Cody Miller's presence that I didn't feel honored. Even when I was sarcastic, it didn't deserve it. There was never a time I've gone up to Donnie Jones where I didn't feel honored. There was never a time where I didn't go up and talk to Mickey Malone and didn't feel honored. We have a church full of men that know how to show honor. We have a church full of women that know how to show honor. That lift you up and encourage you even when you don't deserve it. Because why? Because that's our job, to set the example, to set the tone. We need to do it from the top to the bottom, not the bottom to the top only. We need to do it. In fact, as leaders, it's our job to lead first. How will people know how to act if we don't show them the way? How will people learn to grow if we don't show them how to weigh? How, how will people learn to do anything? If Timothy were looking at us today, would he know how to show honor? Don't talk bad about your leaders. Esteem them. Fight for them. John Brevet says this, True honor is an overflow from the heart that fears God. If you fear God, you show honor. If you really fear God, you really respect who he is, you're going to show honor to the... Listen, we need to show honor to our parents at all ages. Listen, just because I'm out of the house, I still honor my mom. I still say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. I tell my dad, yes, sir, and no, sir. When I go to his house, it's, it's funny because, uh, you know, once we get a certain age and we get out of the house, we think we don't have to report to nobody, even if we're living in their house. You know, when I go visit my parents, if I'm not going to be home for dinner, I tell them, hey, don't, don't wait. We're, we're going to be out. We're going to do our own thing for dinner. I don't make them wonder. Why? I'm showing honor to the people of the house that own it, that are allowing me to stay there when I go to Texas. When my mom calls, I honor her. I don't show disrespect. I want to model for my kids what I want them to do for me. I know, I'm meddling, I know, I don't mind. Saunders gone. Who's going to get on to me afterwards? Nobody. Uh, <laughs> all right, we must believe the best and speak the best about people and keep an attitude of honor. We have to be an advocate for honor and for truth. He goes on to verse 3 and he says this, Some people may contradict our teaching. But these are the wholesome teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are the teachings that promote a godly life. Anyone who teaches something different is arrogant and lacks understanding. That's a pretty bold statement. People preaching, teaching something different contrary to what the scriptures say. You've heard us say over and over, the Bible's our guidebook for living. The Bible's our guidebook for living. The Bible's our guidebook for living. Some people come to church and say, well, you're a church. It should be the guidebook for living. But do you know how many people, people, people teach their, their emotions versus teaching what the scriptures say? 
and then make it sound like fact because I feel this way? Sometimes you sit in the service and you heard more about the way somebody, what they're mad about than what they really teach about the scripture. Or who they're mad at. <laughs> Such a person is an unhealthy, uh, has an unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of words. This is the person that stands up and says, well, I don't know if I believe that. Let me just play devil's advocate for just a moment. Why are we helping the devil out all the time? I don't understand that. I've never understood that. I don't want to be an advocate for the devil. I want to be an advocate for God. I don't need nobody to play devil's advocate. You know why? He already lives in my mind. I can already hear him. I don't need any help. You know what I'm saying? In fact, there's a little devil that says right up here all the time. He tells me all those things. That's what I get to hear all the time. And then I listen to my wife, and I get steered right. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I, I, well, I do listen, but not very often. Listen, I am the pastor. I know I've been gone for three weeks, but, but I really am the pastor. <laughs> I, I want us to be encouraged. I want to be a church that people are excited to go and worship with the house of God and get stirred up inside them and, and love one another. They don't sit around beating one another over the head, but they lift one another up in prayer because there's a world that's fighting for truth. They've got ears and they're begging for someone to tell them the truth. And all they hear is quarreling. All they hear is arguing. All they hear is people arguing against each other. And nobody's standing up for truth. And so we have to be the voice of reason in the middle. We have to be the ones that stand up and speak the words of truth. And don't just quarrel over every little thing. You ever, you ever talk to someone that no matter what you say, they're going to argue the other side? We avoid them like the plague. Nope. <laughs> Nobody ever says, oh, good, I need a good argument today. I'm going to go talk to Bob. Not Bob. Different Bob. Nobody says, you know what, I'm looking for some, somebody just to gossip about everybody and just make up things. I'm going to go talk to Sally Joe. Nobody. You know what they do? They go, oh, no. They see them coming at Walmart and they say, listen, if we go this way really fast, they won't see us. We'll pretend like we didn't see them. Listen, if you're always negative and you want to know why people are avoiding you, there's a reason. We can get enough of that in our life. So he goes on and he says, as those people who just quabble over meaning of words, this stirs up arguments ending in jealousy, division, slander, and evil suspicions. That sounds like every news story I've ever heard reported. After they get finished, you're like, oh my goodness, that's terrible. Oh, I wonder if they're what they're really doing. What's the real meaning behind everything? Or are they really, you know? Here's, the, here's what I want you to, to understand of this section. Be generous, not foolish. Don't listen to every little word that's out there. Everybody that's got a word doesn't necessarily have a word from God. And I'm sick and tired of everybody saying they're speaking for the Lord when they're not speaking for the Lord. In fact, you have very rarely, there have been times when you have very rarely ever heard me say, this is what the Lord is saying to you. Why? Because when you speak for the Lord, you better know you heard from God. 
It's not something you just casually mention. It's not something you just slip by. It's not something that you just kind of tiptoe around and just to get people to pay attention or, or to get people to obey what you want them to obey or do what you want to do. When you say you heard from God, buddy, you better heard from God because you're not going to answer to man for that one day. You're going to sit before the throne of glory and you're going to give an account for every word you say before God. So whenever I tell you, here's what I believe the Lord has said to this church, I mean, I've spent time with God and he has tormented me till I would say it because I held back and I wouldn't say it at the beginning because I didn't want to slip up. So when I finally came out and said, I've prayed through it, I've fasted through it, I've cried over it, I've argued over it, I've got stomach pains over it, I got sick, I couldn't sleep at night over it. When I say it, it's because the Lord has just bubbled something inside of me that I have to tell the church because if I don't, I'm going to just lose it. <laughs> don't believe everything you hear what are the people teaching around you? What are you listening to? What's the results around you? Verse 6. Yet true godliness with contentment is in itself great wealth. Let's simplify the verse. Be content with being godly. Be content with just being what God has told you to do and do what he says. You don't need everything in the world. You don't need every little thing. Listen, we need to humble ourselves. We need to learn to be content with just serving God. We need to learn to be content in acting out what he's telling us. We need to be content in him, in his presence. This world is never going to make you happy. For a moment you can find joy. For a moment you can find a little glimmer, a smile. But this world is not your home, so it's never going to make you happy. True happiness. Listen, what I, what, what I miss the most about camp is not the games, not the water, it's definitely not the cafeteria food. I miss the services. I miss being down there, no cell phones, nobody's, nothing's ringing. All you are, you're, it's an outdoor pavilion, you're not even comfortable. It's humid, you're sweating, you don't, I mean, no. The junior hires didn't even take a bath that day. They stink. But there's something that happens about the second or third song every single night. And you watch the countenance of the place change. And you hear hearts being tenderized for the word. And you hear them listen. And it doesn't matter. Listen, I've heard some great camp speakers. And I've heard some camp speakers that probably could work on it a little bit. But it doesn't matter because when you are in the presence of God, the word doesn't return void. And so even the simplest of word causes people to run to an altar and cry and bawl their eyes out and get along with God in the presence of God. There's something powerful about being in the moment just where you just realize that's all you need. And in those moments, you say, I don't care if I have my phone back. I don't care if I watch TV. I don't care if I binge watch. I don't care if I have the, 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 the newest uh, car. I don't care whatever. I don't care. I don't care about any of that. All I care is that I get to feel this feeling every night. 
And then they come back home and they're just like, Lord, help me don't lose this. Help me don't lose this. Lord, I messed up before. Don't lose this. Why? Because they just don't want to miss out on the presence of God. I pray that Sunday mornings will become that weekly thing, not just for our teenagers, but for all of us, that we would find ourselves in the presence of God, that we're like, man, if I could just get to Sunday, if I could just get to that altar, if I could just get to that moment, if I could just get to the front, if I know if I just don't give up, I'll be in that presence. If I could just humble myself, I don't need this world. I don't need the things that I offer. I don't need anything. All I care is about being in that moment with you, God. See, it's being content in his presence. It's being content with God. After all, we brought nothing into this earth. Verse 7. When we came into this world, we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. If you are here and you have clothes on your body, be content. If you, if you had a good meal yesterday, be content. If you're able to be in this air condition, whether it's too cold for you or too hot for you, be content. If you're able to hear the gospel without fear of being arrested, be content. Just learn to be content in his presence. Learn to be content in him. Verse 9, but people who long to be rich, follow temptations, are trapped with many foolish and harmful desires that plague them into ruin and destruction. Verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money's not evil, it's the love of money. Listen, money's what makes the gospel go forth. The money's what sends Bibles over to lands where, 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 where we don't have it. Money is, is, is what buys the, 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 the planes that sends the gospel where it needs to go. Money is what buys the little donkey so the little missionary can get up the, to the hill. It's what buys the moped so he can ride around in India. It's, it, money is not bad. It's the love of money. It's, it's desiring the money. And, and we've said this before. God doesn't want to get money to you anyway. He wants to get money through you. The reason why God doesn't use a lot of us is because we are not a conduit for the kingdom. <laughs> we're, we're a plug. We get it, we keep it. We get it, we spend it. I love, and, 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 and they don't like to be bragged upon. That's what makes it so great to brag on them. But I love, and I, I told Karen Bardwell, one day I'm going to get her here just to testify about all the times that God has met this. She has made a missions pledge, and Randy will tell you it's more than they had. And he said, why did you make it that much? She said, the Lord, she prayed, and the Lord told her. He goes, okay. And that week, <laughs> somebody will send them money. And you know what she does? She doesn't say how much of this is mine. She writes a check, and she immediately turns it over and sends it back over to the missions pledge she just got. Just about every time she's made a missions pledge, I've heard where God has just immediately provided, and she sent it over. And because she's been so faithful, that's why God continues to bless and, and send money through them. This is not about prosperity gospel. This is just about the way kingdom things work sometimes. Are you good with the seed you've been given? Or do you hoard it all for yourself? For the love of money is, is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people are craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Here it is. Be generous in humility. 
There is great gain when we are content. There is great gain when we're content with what God has given us and where we are. Nothing in the kingdom of God makes sense in the natural. To be first, you've got to be last. The last will actually be first. To be strong, you've got to be weak. If you're weak, you're really strong. If you're blessed, you're usually a giver. If you want to be honored, you've got to be humble. The kingdom of God works in a totally reversed system. We have to navigate in every situation using Christ and learn to be humble. 1 Timothy chapter 6, let's go to verse 11. But you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run from all evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life with, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Man, I don't have time because my point's not here, but I, 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 I just wish you understand that you are fighting a good fight right now. Right now, after the pandemic year, and we're so tired of people talking about pandemics, in fact, I, I think that we're all tired of sermons about the pandemic. We just really are. We're ready to move on. But do you know this year following a pandemic, we are fighting a greater uh, fight uh, for the good than we've ever fought before. There are two types of people. People that are hungry for God or fed up with church that have come out of this pandemic. We have got to figure out what we're going to do. And man, fighting the good fight of faith, not fighting with people, because we got to understand people are not the problem. They're your purpose. You don't war against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Not on this earth. Things you don't see, but from the unseen eye. It's, it's the spirit behind it. There's a spirit right now of this age that's coming against the people. And we war against that. So I, I got I to gotta go on. Hold tightly to the eternal life which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. And I urge you before God who gives life to all and before Christ Jesus who gave a good testimony before Pontius Pilate that you obey this command without wavering. Don't waver. Fight the good fight. Hold tightly. Be generous. Do all this stuff. Do it without wavering. Because then, I circled that word then in my Bible, no one can find fault with you. From now on, until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. If you do this, no one will find fault with you until Jesus Christ himself returns. For, just at, for at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by, uh, by the blessed and only almighty God and the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He alone can never die. And he lives in light so brilliant, no human can approach him. No human eye has ever seen him, nor ever will. All honor and power be to him forever and ever. Amen. Be generous with the truth. 
This is the truth. This is the gospel. This is the truth that we are here to proclaim. We must run from all evil and hold on to God who has called us for his purpose. We must stand for what is right and we remember what is our eternal purpose and that's sharing the gospel. What have we done lately to share the gospel? Individually. As a church, what have we done lately to share this good news, this gospel of Jesus Christ? What are we doing? Because we need to proclaim it. There are still so many lost. So many waiting, so many longing to hear. It's our job to proclaim the good news. i got to move on. Verse 17. Teach those, verses, I'm sorry, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in money, which is so unreliable. Ain't that the truth? Money is just there for a moment and it's gone. It's unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in needs and always being ready to share with others. By doing good, this will not be this will be storing up their treasures or this will be storing up the treasures as a good foundation for the future so that they may have an experience with true life. Is your last point. Be generous with your finances. It's easier to be generous with your life than to trust God with your finances. Why is that? We have a love for money. God, I give you my life. God, I, I believe you're going to protect me from the cars around me. Lord, put a hedge of protection as we're traveling to Gulf Shores <laughs> or wherever we're traveling. Lord, as, as we're going on the lake today, Lord, protect our family from all the other idiots in the boats because <laughs> we know how to drive and they're all drunk. That's the way we pray, right? <laughs> so, Lord, protect us. We, we, we believe God will trust with our life. We just don't trust him with our money. We don't start out with, God, what do you have? Where are you leading? What do you desire? Now, I believe this is a good storehouse, and I, I, I believe you, you should give, and I think tithe, we know, goes to the church, but I'm not preaching about just tithing. I believe God tells you sometimes to stop and give someone money that God comes beside you and says, you need to go and bless that person. You need to give $20 for gas, and you're like, that was, that was, that was, that was not you, Lord. Get thee behind me. But I can tell you, I've not only been a giver, I've been a recipient. I've, been in a, I've, been, I've served as a youth pastor where I didn't get nothing but $300 a week, and I remember somebody coming up and giving me a, we called them Pentecostal handshakes, I don't know what y'all call them, but they got a little $20 bill or something, they pop it in the hand, and they shake your hand, and you're like, what? <laughs> and you're like, we don't have to walk to work this week. <laughs> I've been blessed, and, 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 and people gave me $100. Man, those, in those moments, that was life, death. That was eating, not eating. That was, that was moments that nobody knew about. All they knew is God told them to stop by and do that. Now it's nice to be on the other side and be the one able to give, able to bless someone, able to go and do it. And this didn't just start whenever I was an adult. When I was a teenager... My youth pastor would come up. My youth pastor would, would say, hey, Brian, I just feel like the Lord told me to give you this. 
And I thought, here I am, I'm just a, a junior in, in high school, a, a senior in high school. But it, but, it, but it set me on a course of understanding, just trust God. When's the last time you trusted God with your finances in every aspect? See, some of us, we made missions pledges earlier this year for Life of the Lost, and we ain't not even thought of it since. Because we were moved in the moment, but it wasn't a priority for us. And the great thing about this church is we have people who make pledges and they give far above what they pledged. And we've been very blessed to be able to give and be able to do what we're supposed to. So you're not hurting the kingdom. God's always got a way. But you're missing out on what God has for you. Because God's trying to teach you something. How many of you trust your kids with responsibility until they've, and with more things until they've been responsible for what they already have? Not if you're a good parent. That's just bad parenting. How many bosses say, this employee's not doing his job. Let's give him a promotion. Now, I realize some of you feel like people got promoted for that reason, but no, you don't do that. You're, you're a bad boss if you do that. Why would God give you and help you and direct your path on what's next for you if you're not being a good steward? I don't like talking about money. But whenever I came across this, I wasn't going to shy away from it either. Because I believe that God has something great in store for you. God's always been faithful to this church. This church is, is, is very blessed. But I believe God wants to do something for you and through you. If you will just, and I believe the windows of heaven will not be held back from you if you will just trust him. If you trust, if your trust is in what you have uh, accomplished and, and what you've done, then you're going to struggle with generosity. But when you realize that you've accomplished what you've accomplished only by the grace of God, you don't struggle with generosity. When you realize he's been so good to you that you have to be good to other people. Helen Watson says this, it's not what you gather, but what you scatter that tells what kind of life you've lived. I read the book, The New Normal, by John and... Uh, Lindell up in Springfield, and one of the things he says in that book, he tells a story about, but well, not just, he tells a lot of stories, but basically he tells this, the principle of sowing and reaping and giving and doing and, and stuff is, is, is something that, that is taught by people of faith, but it's even people in the world understand this. They understand that, that if they're generous, that they believe this cosmic world somehow blesses them and stuff like that, uh, but they understand this principle of giving, but we struggle with it so much in the church. Let me just tell you this. Did you know that in the scriptures, there are more than 500 verses concerning prayer and nearly 500 verses concerning faith, but more than 2,000 concerning money and possessions? Jesus talked about money 16 out of the 38 prince, uh, parables. It was important. Money is our greatest thing that holds us back. Let me just close with this as the worship team comes. In verses 20 through 21, he just says this, Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. 
Avoid godly, uh, a godless, foolish discussion with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. Some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. May God's grace be with you forever. After telling Timothy all these things, and as he closes up this first Timothy, this first epistle, he tells him basically just guard what God has entrusted you with. Church, what I would tell you today as you're being generous, guard what God has entrusted you with. Guard what God has put in your possessions. What are you using? We were pastoring in Denison, Texas at a little bitty church, Faith Assembly of God, actually, is what the name of it was. And uh, we had bought a swing set, or rather my parents bought a swing set for our kids. And uh, we would have church events. We lived in a church parsonage and grown teenagers, and I'm not talking about little teenagers, grown, huge, big teenagers, would come over there and play on the playground and sweat, and our poor old swing set just sagged down. So, uh, somebody said, should, uh, I, I, I remember somebody said, should, should we tell the teenagers to get off? And I said, no. Because I believe that whatever God has given me, he's given me for the kingdom. The very first new car Sonner and I ever bought was a little Ford Contour. And we were in a little bitty church, Mineola, Texas, just got it started. Church didn't have a church van. So we would put way more than the legal amount of people, kids in the car. It seated five. We could get easily double that. Going down double dirt roads, going things, uh, just picking up kids. 19, 20 years old, that poor old car by the time we left Mineola was pretty ragged. But we used it for the kingdom because it was what God has given us. God has blessed me with so much. Yeah, we've been through some things, and yes, sometimes people look and say, it must be nice to be the pastor. Yeah, but nobody wants to go where I've been through to be where I am. Everybody likes the idea of a soldier, but nobody wants to go through boot camp. Nobody wants to go to war. You may see where somebody's is, but you don't know their story. You don't know where they've been through. You don't know what they've gone through. You don't know how much they suffered. You don't know how much they prayed for their next meal. You don't know where they've been. Who are you to dictate? You don't know. It's easy to say, I wish I was there. Boy, I wish I had a job like that. But you don't know what they've been through, what they've done, and what they've sacrificed to get there. But I believe today God wants to bless some people in ways that he's never blessed them. But it starts with your attitude of being generous in every aspect of your life. Not just financially. Be generous with your time. Be generous in the way you treat people with honor. Be generous in, in, in telling the truth and sharing the gospel. Be generous. Don't hold back. What are we holding back so much for? Be generous. Let God use you as a conduit to see, let people see what the kingdom of God is really all about. Unlike any other time in history, I believe that the coming of the Lord is sooner than we could even imagine. We used to sing a lot about heaven and we used to talk a lot about heaven and we used to feel it so much that we would just believe that right in the middle of the sermon a trumpet would blow and we would be gone. But we've become 
comfortable. But we can't be comfortable anymore. Because more than any other time in history, I believe we're, the coming of the Lord is soon. And I believe that today, before you get home, we can hear the trumpet sound. And when we go before heaven, we're God, I believe the Lord's going to ask us, what did you do? Who did you bring with you? What did you do to further the kingdom? And if we just say, well, I went to church on Sunday morning. Yep. <laughs> I think we'd be ashamed. I believe we need to share this gospel to everyone has heard, till every generation has heard the word of God. I believe we need to get it out. That means we need to go. Some of us need to go on mission trips. Some of us need to go and treat our job as a mission field. Some of us need to send money so that we can send missionaries to go where we can't go. There, there is a live dead mo movement in the Assemblies of God that's basically where missionaries are going that in, in places in the world where Christians aren't welcomed and they may not come home. They understand that living for God there may mean they may come home in a casket. But they said, I am so committed to the cause of Christ. I'm going, and if I come back, I come back. If I don't, I don't. All that matters is I've done all I can to share this wonderful gospel so that all might hear. When's the last time you had such a passion that you didn't care who knew or what people thought about you? You're going to do whatever you can so that all might hear. What are you passionate about today? Your four-wheeler? Your motorcycle? Your car, your house. I want to be passionate about God. I want to be passionate about being in His presence. I want to be in a place where we come every Sunday morning and nothing matters. We don't want to leave His presence. Nothing matters but getting back here next week. Nothing matters in the next opportunity. I've got to be here on Wednesday. I've got to be involved in a life group. I've got to be here on Sunday morning. I've got to be in everything I can because I can't give up. I've got to press in. I've got to press in because I can't miss out. There's too much at stake. I want to get my kids and my grandkids in church and let them be in this presence so that lives will be changing. Because let me tell you, if you don't think that there is a spirit in schools, you haven't walked in one lately. And so I want them so covered in the anointing that when they go to school, that their light shines because the world's so dark. If everybody was standing in this place, in this place you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and if you come on the right Sunday what do I have to bring? Nothing what does it cost me? Nothing what do I have to do? you have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ that he died upon a cross to save us from our sins you have to turn from sin. And as you follow after him, you will never be the same again. But it starts with this, believe and confession. I want to invite you, after I say a simple prayer, that if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, 
I'm going to say a prayer, and I'm going to invite you to the front. When you do, you won't be here by yourself. Our altar workers will meet you up here. They'll come up here to the front. You won't be alone. But don't miss this moment. This is your moment. This is your time. This is your opportunity. There's no judgment here. What you're going to find is this is a loving church that's so excited that you're making the choice today that we're going to celebrate you. We're going to clap. We're going to yell. We're going to be excited because we're going to celebrate with you. This is not just your moment. This is a moment we're going to share with you. So here it is. Father, I just pray over every person here today. God, under the sound of my voice, those who have been watching on live stream, if there's anyone here today, God, that is not following after you, or Lord, maybe, maybe today is just a day that they've drifted and they said, I just need to get back in alignment with you, God. I want to make a rededication today, God. I want to, 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 to reestablish myself, God, because I messed up. I made some mistakes. Lord, today, Lord, I want you to speak to their heart today. Draw them as only your spirit draws. You said if you're lifted up, you would draw all men unto you, God. Today, I lift you up. I bless your name. I praise you, God. And Lord, I just pray that you would draw people into your presence in this altar. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you, out, these altars are open. I want you to find your way to the front. Someone will meet you here today if you'll just make the first step.